0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. How are you? I want to welcome you this morning. If you're a first time guest with us, my name is Chad. I'm the student and worship pastor here. I'm usually leading worship on Sunday morning, but I am so glad that we have uh, just a number of talented people and thank Angela this morning for leading worship for us this morning and working hard uh, to get the team ready to go. Uh, We've got a lot to cover today, so we're going to jump right in. If you uh, have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Luke chapter 13. And if you're using one of the seat back Bibles there, you're going to find that on page 873. Uh, If you look at the Bible in front of you there, and if you don't have a Bible of your own, please feel free to take that one with you as our gift to you. So let us read. Luke chapter 13. Starting with verse 18 through 35. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made its nest and its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And he went on his way through the towns and villages, preaching and journeying journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, And you began to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then He will answer you. I do not know where you come from. And then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But He will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from Me, all you workers of evil. And in that place there will be weeping And gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself cast out. And people will come from east and west and from the north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God and behold, some who are last will be first and some who are first will be last And at that very hour, some of the Pharisees came to him and said, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem! Jerusalem! The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as hens gather her brood under her wing and you were not willing. Behold, Your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. In 2004, uh, Victor Yushchenko stood for the presidency of the Ukraine. He was vehemently opposed by the ruling party. Uh, Viktor Yushchenko's face had been disfigured. He almost lost his life uh, when he was mysteriously poisoned. But that was not enough to deter him from standing for the presidency. And on the day of the election, Yushchenko was in a, a very comfortable lead. But the ruling party was not going to be denied, and so they tampered with the results of that election. The state run television station reported, ladies and gentlemen, we announce that the challenger, Viktor Yushinkov, Shinko, has been decisively defeated. And in the lower right hand corner, right hand corner <laughs> of the screen, there was a, a lady by the name of Natalia Dimitruk. And she was providing a translation service for the deaf community. And as the news presenter regurgitated these lies that they were given by the regime, Natalia refused to translate them. And instead, she signed. I'm addressing all the deaf citizens of Ukraine. They are lying. And I'm ashamed to translate those lies. yushchenko is our president. The deaf community sprang into action. They started texting their friends about the fraudulent results. And Natalia's act of defiance um, uh, caused many journalists to to do the same thing. They they got uh, uh, they they uh, increasingly they would, would tell were telling the truth. And over the coming weeks, the orange revolution occurred uh, when over a million people wearing orange made their way to the capital city, and they were demanding a new election. And the government was forced to meet their demands, and a new election was held, and Viktor Yushchenko became the president of Ukraine. Now, this revolution was started by what was a seemingly small, insignificant character in the bottom right hand corner, and a small deaf community in Ukraine started this, this revolution. And it changed the course of history for the Ukraine. Now the Jewish leaders of Jesus day had built this system around who they supposed God to be and who it was that God would send and Jesus did not look like talk like or act like anything that they had expected. They were expecting the reign of King David 2.0. A military king. That would make Jerusalem a power in the world and not just a power in the world, the power in the world. But instead of King David 2.0, they got a homeless Nazarene. And so they were not pleased when this Nazarene is. Courageous enough to denounce this destruction and distortion of the Jewish religion that they presided over. And so Jesus begins to say here, what is the kingdom of God like? In other words, how can I explain this? And so... He goes on in verse 20 or in verse 18 says it's like a mustard seed a tiny little seed Now this is idiomatic in the in the Jewish culture if they wanted to describe how small something was they would use something like a mustard seed And he said that you know he he said it's it's small but then it grows into something large it's, and so Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that a man planted and it grew and became a a tree and the birds of the air made their nest and their branches in it. No one expected the kingdom of God to come like that. And so he goes on, the kingdom of God is like leaven. Now, leaven is basically just fermented dough. It's pretty much what it is. And so... When you make a batch of dough, you take a little bit of the the person that was cooking. Usually the, the lady of the house would take a little bit of that dough and she would put it in a jar and hide it in the cupboard. My wife has just started making yogurt for us and she's discovered how important it is to hide the little bit that you need because your husband will come in and eat that little bit that you're trying to save and and the you know that you need the cultures in it, so so that's why you would hide it in a jar. So that happened actually not too long uh, what this weekend. Uh, so anyway, very timely. So anyway, they would she would take a little bit of that a batch of that and she would hide it in, and then she would take that little bit of leaven and she would knead it into the dough, and just a little bit of that leaven would infiltrate the whole loaf. Of bread, it just took a little bit, a little tiny amount. Now, expectations. Can sometimes blind us. To what reality is. The mind sees oftentimes uh, what we want it to see or maybe what we expected to see. And so here is Jesus. God made flesh. Standing in front of them, and they couldn't see him. They're so blinded by this corrupt system, this distorted system that they ruled over. The, the verses that Joe read to us a woman comes in the temple, and she's been, and she has been, uh, had some kind of thing going on uh, in her, with her health for 18 years, and Jesus heals her in an instant. And what are they concerned with? What day it is. Sabbath, now I don't know about you, but if I see somebody heal somebody in an instant. The first thing I'm not thinking is what day is today? (laughs) They couldn't see it. They were blinded. He was not the Davidic king that they had expected. And Jesus is telling them, this bankrupt system that you have created is not what the kingdom of God is like. Now, verse 22, we see. He goes on through the towns and villages, he's teaching, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and by this time he has huge crowds that are following him around. This doesn't mean that they were all his followers, but they were traveling with him. I often think about that scene in Forrest Gump when he starts off running across the, the country and then the one dude comes out and runs along behind him. And, and then the next thing you know, he's got a whole group of people running with him and they have no idea why he's running. And I, and I can imagine in Jesus' day, there were just people that wanted to follow a crowd because it was a crowd and see what was What was going on? And someone asked him, will those who are saved be few? Now, this is a seemingly innocent question. Some guy just wants to know. Will those who are saved be few? And so Jesus turns this question around. and turns this question, as he often does, back into self-examination. And he turns, the, uh, you know, so uh, it would have been easy for him. All he had to say was, yes. Will will those who are saved be few? Yes. Matthew seven, he says that. He says the road is uh, the road is broad that leads to destruction, but the road is narrow that leads to eternal life. So the obvious answer would be yes. But he takes this question and he turns it around from will the saved be few? To will the saved be you? And we don't know anything about the man who asked this question, but given the company that he was in and given the uh, response that he gives, we can guess that this this could have been a loaded question. As well, this man most likely was a, a Jewish nationalist who believed that uh, who believed and was and was trained to believe that because he was a, a child of Abraham, he was good. He was in. He was good. And again, this could have been a seeker. It could have been somebody who kind of floats around with the crowd from belief to belief to belief. But no matter who he was, this is a loaded. Question And so, again, Jesus could have just said, yes, he had in other places, but but he had an agenda and he and he had something that he wanted to teach. And so let's look at verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter. And will not be able. Now, this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning on on this verse. And what this means. I, I've i never studied Greek. Uh, most of the time, I can't even even if I see a Greek word, I can't pronounce it. Um, but often. The Greek really helps us to understand um, What. The the meaning is, and this is a word that this really kind of clarifies here. So the Greek word for strive, the the word that's used here is agonizomai, agonizomai, which is where we get the word, the English word. Anybody want to guess? Agony, agonize. Yeah, it's where we get the word agonize. Now that adds a whole new meaning. To this verse. Strive is a good word, but strive today is kind of just try really hard. You know, just strive, just try really hard. But that's not what he's saying. It means agonize to enter the narrow door, struggle. Contend to enter the narrow door. Paul uses this, this word again in Colossians four twelve. It says Epaphras who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, always struggling. Agonizimai, always agonizing. On your behalf. This is a convicting word for me when I read this this week. It's a convicting word. In my office, I have a a whiteboard. And it has all of our students names on that board. And everybody that is part of that is a member of the church and everybody that is connected to our student ministry It's about 47 names on that board that I pray for daily. I stand in front of that board and I say their names. And I pray for them daily. But if I'm to be honest, I don't know that I've ever agonized over those names. I don't know that I've ever agonized in prayer for them. And that's a convicting word for us this morning. In the first line in your notes, you got your bulletin. What Jesus is saying to us here is we are not called to a casual faith. We are not called to a casual faith. This is More. Than a casual faith. I want you to think about an Olympic athlete, okay? You go and spend some time with an Olympic athlete and see if their approach is a casual approach. Michael Phelps. Um, is one is the most decorated athlete in Olympic history, and his pursuit of making his fourth Olympics and adding to his medal total was a, a huge story in 2016 um, Rio Games. And his sponsor, Under Armour, put out an ad uh, leading up to the games that. Uh, It actually won uh, advertisement of the year and it really kind of captures what it means to agonize for a goal. And I want us to, to watch that this morning. That is what it looks like to agonize for a goal. And we're not endorsing any of the messages or, you know, but I just wanted you to kind of see the the training and what it looks like to pour yourself into something, to pour yourself into it and ask yourself, "Does, does my walk look like that? And so Jesus is asked by just this this one man in the crowd, but he decides to address the entire crowd uh, with his answer. Because he knows the hearts of the people that are there. And his silence towards them would have been condoning he knew everyone needed to hear this response. And let's look at this response. Verses 24 and 25. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you began to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. And then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. I do not know where you come from. This was absolutely stinging to them. Because their whole identity is wrapped up in their heritage. It's wrapped up in their religion. And Jesus is saying, don't assume that just because you are a certain people, just because you come from a certain family that you're you're in you're good and I read a commentary this this week that said, you know you have to wonder if Jesus's response to this question is kind of shaded by another Old Testament story it's kind of uh, kind of similar to another Old Testament story and not just another Old Testament story, but probably the most famous Old Testament story. And that is the story of Noah. Noah worked for a hundred years on the ark. And during that time. He was preaching or he was warning the people. Worked a hundred years on this boat and it was huge. Anybody been to the, I know John went, anybody else been to the ark? Uh, a yeah. few people, it's, it's, it's huge, right? It's huge. And so during this time, he's, he's warning people. He's, he's, he's given the message that God has given him and he's saying, the rain is coming. Wrath is coming. And then after he was finished with the ark, the door of the, of the ark stayed open for a week. And God brought in the animals. And you know that people had to be seeing that. What is the what are these giraffes doing? Where are they going? Who what is going on here? Stayed open for a week. But despite seeing all this, Noah's warnings. The door was shut. And who shut the door? God. God shut the door. And after all that. Only Noah and his family had entered. Eight people. Now, you have to imagine. When the rains came. And the water started to rise. And people started to believe in what Noah was saying. And I would have to imagine that there was some banging on that door. No, we believe. Now we believe. Open the door. Let us in. Let us in. That door was closed. Gotta close that door. And how would it feel to be Noah? I mean, there would have to be some level of relief knowing that you're there and your family's there. But I'm sure that Noah was not inside jumping up and down, mocking, laughing. Saying, ha ha, I told you so. You made fun of me for, for building this boat. I'm sure that that wasn't the case. And the part of the story that never gets painted on the nursery room wall. A part of the story that never gets painted there are the thousands and thousands of bodies. That must have been floating outside the ark. It's reminiscent to what Jesus says here in verse 25. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you began to stand outside the door and knock, saying, Lord, open to us and then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. The throne of grace is closed. And the throne of judgment put up in its place. Verse 26. Let's look at verses 26 through 29. And then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east. And the west and from the north and the south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Now there's this argument, they go on to say, You know us, you ate with us, you taught in our streets. Obviously, obviously a reference to Christ, and then verse 28, they see the heroes of their faith, their faith. Reclining at the table and they can't understand how this could be, how is it that I'm a part of this? How can I be on the outside looking in? And Jesus says, I I may have come to your town. And preached in your streets. But I didn't know you. I never knew you. And so not only are they seeing in verse 29, not only are they seeing the hearers of their faith. Faith. Verse 29 says, And the people will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and recline at the table of God. And now they are saying who? Gentiles. What? They're in, and I'm not. How can this be? Verse 30. And behold, some who are last. And behold, some are last who will be first. And some are first who will be last. Now, this is one of those verses, if you're in church life long enough, you hear this verse taken out of context so often right the last will be first The first will be last you hear some you know some uh some kid come you know you come in last place at the at the church uh picnic you know uh, potato sack race and you know you kind of throw that line out well in the kingdom the last will be first yeah well down here you're just last so But what Jesus is saying here is a is a hard word. It's a hard word. It's a terrifying word. What he's saying is there's going to come a day when you might be surprised to find out who's in heaven. and even more terrifying. You might be surprised to find out who's not. Being from a Christian family growing up in in church, attending church. Reading your Bible, these are all good things, things that we encourage, things that we want you to be doing they're not going to get you in heaven. Knowing Christ. Having a relationship with Christ. This is what Jesus is talking about. I don't know who you are. And Jesus is saying that we need to strive to enter The narrow door, a day is coming when the master is going to close that door. And so, what does this mean for us? Anytime we read the Bible, we want to ask, what does it say about God? We covered that and... And what does this say about me? How do I how do I apply this? And so the next line in your in your notes, if you're looking at that is. We must use all strive teaches us. We must use all the resources available to us. We must use all the resources that are available to us. He's given us a help. He's given us a hope. He's given us tools. And the next line in your notes, the single greatest resource that you have on this earth is the church. Single greatest resource that you have on this earth is the church. It's the institution that God promised would prevail. Look around this room. I love that we sang this morning, look what God has done. This is the first song that we did today. For, so for those of you that were still getting coffee, you missed it. And so this illustration is not going to make any sense to you. But... <clears throat> Look what God has done. Look around this room. What else could bring this group of people together? In this room, we have CEOs down to day laborers and school teachers and all manner of people in between. God brought us together for a purpose. And a plan. It is important for us to be involved in his church. It's important for us to. Strive together. Now I'm going to step on some toes. There is nothing that you're doing. That is more important than gathering with your faith family. Nothing. That is more important, nothing that is more important to your growth, to your spiritual well-being, to your staying accountable than gathering together. And the reason that that is, is because of the next line in your notes. We should expect suffering. We should expect suffering. Strive teaches us that. Jesus doesn't say here, coast through the narrow door. Mosey through the narrow door. I don't even know what moseying is, but that's not what he says. Sail through the narrow door. He doesn't say that. The Bible tells us that suffering is a part of the Christian life. First Peter five, we have an enemy that is like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. First Peter four says the normal Christian life is the suffering Christian life, Christian faith. Sorry. Acts 14, 22 says strengthen The souls of the disciples encouraged them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. We really don't know what suffering is compared to the rest of the church. Compared to the rest of the world, the church and other parts of the world. We really don't know. Suffering for many of us is getting behind the guy who's going the speed limit on the two lane road here to get to church when you're about five minutes late already. That's suffering for some of us, right? That, that's suffering or it's a little warm in here today. That's suffering for, you know, for some of us. We don't know. Now, listen, I'm not trying to trivial, trivialize. I know there are people in here that are that are battling things. I know that. But compared to the rest of the church in the world. We don't understand suffering. We don't understand persecution. And in those parts of the world, the church is thriving. China, North Korea, Sudan. It's thriving. Because they're striving, they're agonizing for that narrow door. Strive teaches us That a lazy faith is sinful. A lazy faith is sinful. Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do we pray for each other and for our neighbors? Really? Pray? Do we use a busy life as an excuse to forsake the gathering of the body? When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? This is a hard word this morning. From Jesus. It's a hard word. It's a hard word to preach. It's a convicting word for me as I was studying. But I want us to look at the compassion behind these words. We go to verse 34 and 35. Oh, Jerusalem! Jerusalem. Anytime you see a word repeated in Scripture, it's to add emphasis to it. So when you see holy, 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 that's to add emphasis to it in describing God. That's what Jesus is doing here. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? Jesus is lamenting the fate of Israel. How many times have I tried to gather you up? But your hearts are hard. Hard. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, let me just encourage you. The gate is open. Jesus is ready to gather you up. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter about your present. Jesus knows all that. Come to Him. While the gate is open. We'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. because there will come a day when the door is closed and the throne of grace is closed and the throne of judgment is set up in its place. If you're here this morning and you are a believer, let me just encourage you this morning to strive. Strive. Agonize. Agonize for your neighbors. Agonize for this church body. Pray diligently for them. Gather together with the believers. Make that a priority in your life. Some of you have been hanging around here for a while and just haven't decided to join. Join the church. We're in this together. Striving together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You for this day. Once again, Father, we thank You for this Word. Uh, Lord, even though it is a it is a hard Word, but it's a Word that, that we need to hear. And so, Father, I pray that our hearts are are softened. That our ears are open, that our. Our our lives are are open to you. And Father, if there are those here, Lord, that don't know you. Father, I pray that you would draw them unto yourself this morning nobody in this room walked through those doors by accident. It's not happenstance. You, you have appointed us for this time and place. And Father, we know that and we thank You for that. And Lord, I just pray that You would just draw them this morning. And Father, as we sing, I, I pray that that You would just move in this place. In your holy name we pray.